pain for me as death began. The brain doesn't feel pain in that way, but swells when traumatized. And the more damage it suffers, the more ruptured blood vessels leak, the more oxygen the brain needs, and the more it swells. Encased within the skull, it can't expand, so increasing pressure damages, then destroys more brain tissue. And because of its position in the skull, the pressure tends to push the brain down into the opening that connects with the brain stem, then jam the brain stem in turn through the base of the skull into the spinal canal. The Bergen family had started dinner in the house at the corner of Beverly and McCadden when they felt the explosive concussion. As soon as the ground shook, they ducked under their table for cover from, they thought, an earthquake, except the tremor ended too fast. They looked out their window and saw the infinity where it landed in front of their home. Harvey and Joy Warren, married film writers, were also on their way to dinner. As their manager and producer when I represented writers and directors at Blake Edwards Entertainment, I'd set up some deals for them and we'd become good friends. Harvey saw a white van, apparently parked normally by the side of Beverly, and then did a double-take. It was like one of those kids' puzzles. What's wrong with this picture? From where he sat, the Chevy looked quite normal, except its spinning wheels weren't on the road, but at the top. This Chevy was parked on its roof. Once Harvey drove past it, saw the wreckage and understood, he pulled over, grabbed his fire extinguisher, and raced like a good Samaritan toward a river of gas that gushed from the back of the infinity. The car's frame had imploded and crushed me into an impossibly small space between the driver door and center console, chest and face jammed into the steering column, my airbag deployed and bloody. There was no sound, no movement. So they turned to Marcy. A letter Joy wrote to my parents described what she and Harvey saw that I will never remember and can never change. An off-duty paramedic came onto the scene, discovered the passenger was not breathing, and immediately began CPR through a plastic mouthpiece. People came running out, thinking there had been an earthquake. The paramedic screamed for someone to call 911. A young woman in her car said she had 911 on her car phone. She screamed, "'Don't move anyone under any circumstance!' But the passenger wasn't breathing. The paramedic said he had no choice but to move her enough to administer CPR to try and revive her. Neither the passenger nor the driver could have been moved without taking the car apart anyway. Harvey knew that the passenger, Simon's wife, wasn't going to survive. Despite the seatbelts, despite the airbags, it was a terrifying sight in a residential neighborhood. A parking control officer who happened to be writing tickets in the neighborhood arrived on the scene. I handed him some flares from our trunk to set up traffic control, and we waited some more. Finally, a fire truck arrived on the scene, still no ambulance or police. The firemen counseled against the flares, even out in the street, and said they would take over now. Had we known it was Simon, and God help him, Harvey was not even two feet from him and couldn't tell it was him. We would have stayed on and tried to make sure every effort was made in his and Marcy's behalf. We thought we were just in the fireman's way at this point. Another observation. We were there fifteen to twenty minutes. When we left, the police still had not arrived. The paramedic was on his way to work at Cedar sinai Medical Center, less than a mile away, and witnessed the crash. He couldn't reach me when he raced to our car, and so he focused on Marcy, who in a cruel irony appeared peacefully asleep as he unsuccessfully attempted CPR. Two vehicles. No survivors. He sighed as her life slipped away. With no survivors, there was no reason for 911 to dispatch an ambulance, and no hope for my remains, buried motionless and silent deep inside the mangled car, as the firemen waited for the siren of their salvage truck.
California leads the nation in hit and runs, and L.A. leads the state by far. Of the two million Americans who suffer traumatic brain injury, TBI, each year, most from car and motorcycle accidents, up to 100,000 will die prematurely. Many will face up to a decade of extensive rehabilitation, often to restore only minimal function, because even the TBI, as seemingly minor as a concussion, can have devastating long-term physical as well as mental consequences. To the rescue team that arrived, I looked far beyond the point of no return. With two jaws of life systems, it would take more than another hour for them to spread open and cut apart the twisted scraps of what was once our car. While they worked, police investigated the brand new Infinity with untraceable dealer plates. No access to the lifeless driver for license or other identification, and the owner's manual in the glove box not yet completed. UNK, they wrote, in most of the boxes on their traffic collision.